today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. This again is textbook when it comes to the enemy because it will always come by way of slander, gossip, and false accusations. What do we know to be true about the enemy? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the author of confusion. He's the father of lies. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Nehemiah. We must stay keenly aware of the enemy's tactics, for when we get our defenses down, we easily become fooled by them. We forget who our battle is truly against. In his message, Pastor J.D. describes the tricks Satan uses so that we may recognize them, resist them, and live in the truth of Jesus' word. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Nehemiah chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. If the enemy can succeed at smiting the shepherd, he can scatter the sheep. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 31. He says, all of you, this is on the night that he's going to be now arrested and put on trial before he's taken and put on the cross. He says, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now, this is interesting because one of the things that made Nehemiah such a great and godly leader is that he possessed keen spiritual discernment. And what he's discerning here is that This is an assassination attempt on his life. He knows what's going on here. Listen, Nehemiah is no fool. Now, this place called, oh no, oh no, no. (laughs) It's a day's travel from Jerusalem, and it's also a very dangerous place to go anyway. Why do I point that out? Because... This is what the enemy always tries to do with us. He always tries to get us out of where God wants us and into that perilous place, that oh no, if you will, because he knows that if he can get us to oh no, that he can destroy us. See, he always wants to get us away from where God has us to that perilous place, because he knows if he can get us to that perilous place, we're on his turf. We're in his territory. We're in that arena, and he's also got us by ourselves. Don't you find it interesting that they want to meet with him alone in Ono? (laughs) I mean, you kind of put two and two together and you can kind of figure it out. Verse three, so I sent messengers to them. I love this about Nehemiah. Um, I'm doing a great work. 
so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Oh, interesting. If Nehemiah goes to Ono, he's got a day's travel one way, another day back. That's, of course, if he makes it back from Ono because they want to kill him in Ono. And by the way, while he's gone, the work's got to stop. Nehemiah's the leader, and they know that, and he's not going to do that. Now verse 4 is really interesting because it says, but they sent me this message four times. Very persistent. Know this about the enemy. He is very tenacious. He is very persistent. He is relentless. He doesn't give up easily. He'll keep coming back. He can resist the devil and he will flee, but he'll be back. In the Gospels, in Luke's account, it's noted, very interesting, that when the devil tempted Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights, he's fasting and praying and very weak. And that's when the enemy attacks. He'll always attack when you're down, when you're vulnerable, when you're weak, when you're tired, when you're fatigued, when you're hungry when your defenses are down. And when he didn't succeed, we're told that the devil left him only to wait for another opportunity to come back. Never imagine for a moment that the enemy will ever leave you alone. Four times. And I answered them in the same manner. No, 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 no. I will not go to oh no <laughs> with you. Then, verse 5, Sanballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time. Oh, but this time with an open letter in his hand. Not a sealed letter, an open letter. I've received a few of these letters. In it was written, verse 6, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Stop right there. This is classic. Everybody's saying... And they're all coming to me, and they're telling me that you, (laughs) that it is reported. Listen, uh, I've gotten letters like this, and they start off. And by the way, if I get a letter, and it's not signed, and it goes into the rubbish. It reminds me of a story, I think I shared this once, that... I forget who it was. I think it might have been Moody. Maybe not. Anyway, someone gave him a letter, and it's on the pulpit before he's going to preach, and there's only one word on it, and it's not signed. And the word on the letter is fool. And (laughs) this takes a lot of wit. And so Moody says, oh, this is interesting. I've, 
I've got a letter here, and I've never received a letter where it just had the name of the one who sent it. (laughs) I mean, I've usually gotten letters, and they don't put their name on it, but apparently um, this letter is just... It just bears the name of the uh, sender, and it just has fool on it. I think that's pretty appropriate. Anyway, I digress. Where were we here? You always know it's the enemy when it's like everybody's saying, they're all coming to me about you. In it was written, verse 6, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, well, that's what they are. They're rumors. You are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. Wow. And verse 7, you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. Ooh, I'm trembling. (laughs) So come, therefore, and let us consult together. Then I sent to him, saying, I love this about Nehemiah, no such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. Translate it, (laughs) get out of my face. I don't have time for this. Go away. (laughs) You know, this again is textbook when it comes to the enemy because it will always come by way of slander, gossip, and false accusations. What do we know to be true about the enemy? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the author of confusion. He's the father of lies. And these are the big three, and all three of these are all over this. And oh, by the way, this speaks to a reality for anyone who is called to a leadership position. We will always be on the receiving end of this. False accusations, slander, lies, letters. I mean, it just comes with the turf. But you know what makes it so painful? Is that it comes from God's people. It comes from Christians. I'm always taken back by those places in God's Word where it lists the sin of spreading slander and gossip and spreading discord among God's people with things like adultery and idolatry and sexual immorality 
dare I say, orgies. Yeah. Uh, Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. Let me read it. Paul is writing to these churches in the area of Galatia, as it's known at the time, modern-day Turkey. We know it today. And he says this, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, quite a list, right? Nor, you know what's the next one on the list? Slanderers, nor swindlers, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Proverbs chapter 6 is one of the more interesting ones to me. I want to read verses 6 through 19. This is a list of the things that God hates. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Here they are, verse 17. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, that's a murderer, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift into running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies. That's the sixth one. Now, here's the seventh one. And these are an abomination to God. Not only does God hate them, they are abominable. You know what the seventh one is? One who sows discord among brethren. God takes that very seriously. Gossip, slander, because of what it does to God's people. You assassinate the character of God's people when you do that. Verse 9, For they were all trying to make us afraid, saying, Their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward, verse 10, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delaiah, the son of Mehetabel, who, get this, 
was a secret informer. And he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. And let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. And I said, verse 11, and I love this about Nehemiah, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then, verse 12, here's that discernment. I perceived that God had not sent him at all but that he had pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. How did he know that? For this reason he was hired, here's how he knew it, that I should be afraid and act that way and sin. Why would that be a sin? Oh, because only priests were to go into the temple. He's not a priest. That's how he would sin. He's not going to do that. So that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. Look what he did. He's not a priest. He went into the temple. That's how he knew. My God, verse 14, remember Tobiah and Sinbalat, according to these, their works, and the prophetess, Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. They're trying to put fear in my heart. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the devil's most devastating and even deadly devices it would have to be that of creating fear. Fear is real. Fear is real. Fear is totally crippling. And here's the thing about fear. Fear is also contagious. If the devil can get a leader to succumb to fear, then all of those under his leadership will also, as a result, become very fearful. Verse 15, So (laughs) the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened, verse 16, when all our enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. Good. For they perceived that this work was done by our God. Also, in those days, verse 17, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many in Judah were pledged to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son Jehohanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. 
And, verse 19, also they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him. Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. Um, can't think of a better way to end a chapter and with it a Bible study than to be told that the wall was miraculously finished in 52 days. It's not just that the work was finished, it's that God's people were so victorious that the enemies had become disheartened. Would to God that we would dishearten (laughs) the enemies of God's people. But there's a problem here. This victory came packaged with those professing to be God's people working covertly to undermine God's work. I love what Alan Redpath had to say about this. He said, whether you be a pastor or a teacher or evangelist or Sunday school leader or whatever your position may be in Christian leadership, let me say that there will always be those who are friendly to your face but who plan your downfall behind your back. Beware of the fawning, flattering Christian who is always fluttering around you and who behind your back will be the first to rejoice when you go down. Boy, isn't that true? One last thing and we'll we'll close. I want you to think this through. This victory, this miracle really, came vis-a-vis the power of prayer. And I'll explain how I get there. Remember that Nehemiah had prayed for a total of four months before he ever started the work of rebuilding the wall. Now, why do I point that out? Because the wall was rebuilt in less than half the time that Nehemiah spent in prayer, right? 52 days. So basically less than two months. He prayed for two months, or for four months, and the work only took less than two months. It's been said that prayer is where the victory is won, and the rest is just gathering the spoil. I would suggest that the four months spent in prayer was the reason why the wall was finished in 52 days. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor J.D.'s teaching in the book of Nehemiah today. Here at In Spirit and Truth, we strive to bring God's Word to you in a way that blesses your life, but also challenges you to make a difference in this world. Nehemiah was a man who made a great impact, even though he wasn't serving as a priest or spiritual guide of any kind. God still used him and still uses ordinary people today. If you'd like to listen again to today's message, you'll find it at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Listen. Having access to messages from God's Word adds some great encouragement to the pauses in your day and helps to keep you focused on Him. We'd also like to tell you more about the Mideast Prophecy Update, where Pastor J.D. discusses current events and their prophetic importance each Friday and Saturday. Here to tell you more about this is Pastor J.D. Thanks, Josh. 
Followers of Jesus Christ have this anticipating of his soon return at the rapture of the church, especially with everything that's happening in the world today. I'm of the belief that we are seeing key Bible prophecies beginning to come to pass in real time. And it's for this reason that we do these weekly prophecy updates as we look up and lift up our heads, knowing our redemption draws ever so near. This is what Jesus said in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 28. Our hope here at In Spirit and Truth is that believers will be ready and non-believers will get ready by coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ while there's still time. Thanks, Pastor J.D. That's all we have for today, but join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth. Too 